0: everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Evolve Wellness Experience. I'm Dr. Bill Jensen again, and uh, today we have an amazing guest. He's a mentor of mine. Uh, I've known him for almost 20 years now, and uh, he's going to be diving deep, deep into a topic that we all could hear and listen to and implement into our lives uh, dealing with this COVID uh, pandemic right now. And uh, that's Dr. David Nyebower, and he's going to be speaking to us about everything as it relates to happiness today. So enjoy the show and uh, you're gonna love this one for sure. Okay, well, welcome Dr. Dave, Dr. Dave Nybauer. How you doing today? Wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. Um, you know, as, a, as an introduction to give you a little bit of a history, the background over the last 20 years, like literally, I would actually tell you, this is the third, maybe, maybe third or fourth time I've actually ever really even spoken to you, even though our relationship goes back almost 20 years now. Um, as I started as a fledgling little chiropractor, I joined a company down Um, in the Fort Lauderdale area, and uh, one of their things that they would do with all new chiropractors that came on board is they would send them to the infamous boot camp. And so uh, I was from, you know, Minnesota. I, I grew up there, you know, I spent a better part of my life there over 13, 14 years, and yet I had never heard of a place called Bird Island, Minnesota. And I'm from yeah. like a rural town, the most southern suburb of Minneapolis, where basically it turns into cornfields. And then the next stop would be the, the border of Iowa. So we f- we flew in to, uh, to Minneapolis and we got picked up and then we got shuttled out to this little tiny rural community west of the Minneapolis in the middle of nowhere. I don't even know how many people live in Bird Island, Minnesota. 1,300. 1300 all right still better than my girlfriend she grew up in a town of 500 in Iowa or in Ohio so but still tiny tiny little town and we roll up and it's a uh, I don't even know how many physicians were there at the time it seemed like maybe there were like 10 of us or something like that
1: yeah, 10 a, to 12 typically would take we would take for a week yeah,
0: yeah. just so a tiny little group. And uh, we spent, I believe, like two and a half, three days out there and uh, we had we're all in them bunk beds like we're in the cabin, you know, up in the in north woods, you know, and uh, so we're bunking up. We're waking up super early in the morning and we're going downstairs and we're having the most amazing breakfasts and and lunches <laughs> and dinners you could possibly imagine. Just unreal. And then just diving into, you know, everything it takes in order to be like a great physician, like from from, you know, First day procedures, second day procedures, um, marketing, uh, how to run a business. I mean that that book. It was just it was comprehensive. But but one of the things that really sticks out to me, and and where I developed a really a resonance with you, was your your ability to speak. Like you did a couple different talks. You know that you would either do in the practice, or you might do at a major corporation for for work. Uh, you know back safety injury prevention and and that. You know, like I told you the second time I met you, like 18 years later, um, was a huge, huge influence because I've used that lecture at different businesses like many, many, many times and helped so many people as a result of that. Um, but, you know, I left I left that a better person and a better doctor for sure. And then I didn't speak to you. I, uh, you know, I was doing my life or growing a business and a practice working for, you know, uh, the people I was working. Then, you know, 2008, I opened up my own business and then 18 years later, about two years ago, I'm going to a conference and down in Fort Lauderdale and we get down there and we get the itinerary of the, the different times and what was going to be going on at the different classes or, or presentations that were going to be happening. And I see your name on there and I'm like, oh my God, Dr. Dave Nybauer. This is awesome. I can't wait to see what <laughs> was he going to talk about? And then I look down and I see happiness and I'm like, huh, happiness. All right. Well, I suppose I've considered myself a pretty happy person. So I may not get a lot out of it, but he's a great speaker and I really enjoyed his talks last time. So, but it'll be good to see him. So I was like, happiness. He'll probably talk about, you know, be happy and have a positive attitude and never give up and, you know, all those things. (laughs) And on and on. And then next thing you know, he gets into happiness. And like by the end of that 30 minutes or however long it lasted, it uh, was like, wow, this, this is impressive. This, this is, I, first of all, I didn't know they did research on happiness. Second of all, with uh, all the different things you got into were just so, so awesome. And I've now like, uh, before we, the show, we talked about it. I, I've implemented definitely a lot of the steps that are in there. And I can honestly say as we get into that today and some of the steps you can take to be happier, um, it's changed my life. It's made me a better person, a better doctor. Um, I think my business has improved as a result of it. Uh, my stress levels have went down as a result of it. My sleep patterns have improved as a result of it. And so, you know, this stuff is vital. And especially right now, like I said, this is this is the message that everybody needs to really be hearing. So, Doctor Dave, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's my pleasure, man. That was a heck of a summary. <laughs> I think it was way back two decades.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great. So,
1: I mean, so so talk us talk to us a
0: little bit about like. Obviously, you're a chiropractic physician, you know, you had a super successful practice up in Minnesota, like, how did you kind of get into the journey of happiness, the research of happiness and started to, you know, travel and lecture on the topic?
1: Thanks for asking. Um, It goes back to you, you experienced this a couple of decades ago is whenever I would give a presentation, whether it was on technique, or doctor patient communication, or nutrition, or the physiology of healing. I would always try to find snippets in my PowerPoint presentations, whether it was a quote, a picture, or a short video, uh, that would be positive, motivational, and uplifting. Mm-hmm. And it's it just because it it kept me on the tip of my toes and excited to share. And, and at the same time, it recaptured some people that might have started to doze off a bit. And uh, I was asked to speak about a decade ago uh, for a large group, an organization where once a year they get together with something called Supercamp. And uh, there might be anywhere from 700 to 1,000 uh, doctors and their teams at this, this conference. And uh, I had spoken to it a number of times, and they asked me to speak again. And so I was looking for those snippets, those videos or pictures or sayings, and I found one. I found one. It was a TED Talk. It was by Dr. Sean Aker, and the, uh, the title of it was The Happiness Advantage. And I started watching that video a little less than 10 years ago. I watched it. It's 12 minutes long. Everybody, everybody should watch it. But I watched it once. Then I watched it a second time. Then I watched it a third time. And then I started keeping notes because he talked so fast. I couldn't keep up. So I started keeping notes so that I could put into application the lessons he was teaching. And the whole idea that I'm doing this way back, almost 10 years ago, was hoping that someday I would be able to share this lesson to the masses. And so after I shared that short little video during that conference, the next year they asked me to speak again. They asked me what I wanted to talk about. I said, I want to talk about happiness. There was a pause. (laughs) There was a pause on the phone. Yeah, no doubt, right? (laughs) And, And then I said, and I want to title it, Happiness, an Essential Path for Healthy Healers. I'll say that again, happiness, because it is an essential path for healthy healers. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I don't know that there's any more important topic that we could be sharing with doctors or healthcare practitioners or those in the healing profession right now than to work on themselves to build a better them because practices follow people, patients follow people. And, And how would you like to be Uh, visiting a doctor who is so caught up in all the negativity, all the fear, all of the challenges that we are facing this day and age and know that they are negative, stressed, and up to here with challenges versus those who are keeping in perspective and have, have a wealth, a strong rooted foundation of health. It starts with being happy. And so they agreed, I did the talk. And since then I've been doing the talk around the country and different parts of the world. And like you said, a couple of years ago, I got to share it with you and about a hundred doctors down in Florida. And it was just, it was, it was a blast.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, and that's, I always say a rising tide lifts all ships. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as, as the leader of my team, as, as, it, as it may be, and as the person who is uh, in charge of the health uh, of a lot of people that are coming to me and looking for advice and everything else, you know, you got to have, you got to be happy. You got to have a good attitude. You got to be motivational and you got to be a role model, you know? And so, yes, if you're coming in and you're not happy and you have a negative attitude and you're just not, not enthusiastic, like if you can imagine like going to work every day and just being miserable, being at work and everything else, I mean, A, I, I would never want to do that job, you know? And people say you work too much. and I go, but I love what I do. Like I get excited to come to work every single day yeah. and some days are better than others, but but um, but happiness. I mean, no doubt about that. That is the underlying foundation of everything which is built upon it. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember, like, when you got kicked off and uh, you had some technical difficulties. Uh, you were going to start out with a, a video in the beginning of your lecture uh, that particular day, which didn't really turn out. And you know, we were having some technical difficulties here too with our, <laughs> our, our podcast. But I remember specifically you said. You know, the goal for everybody in happiness is they want to have happiness plus one. Yeah. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm happy, but what what does plus one mean? So what so what exactly is happiness plus one mean?
1: That's a great question. So first of all, I I kind of would respond to that question with a question, and I'm not asking you, Dr. Bill, to to give me your answer, but I am asking you to get it in your head and hope that the listeners to your podcast would put. A number in their head because the question I would ask is if you're going to rate your level of happiness in life on a scale from 0 to 10, how would you rate it? I'm going to just ask that question again. If you're going to rate the level of happiness in your life on a scale from 0 to 10, how would you rate it? And it's important for people to know that. I know that everybody has a different definition. There's different types of happiness and there's different depths of happiness, but pretty much everybody at any given time in moment or moment, everybody has their own definition. So if they would rate it, what number would they put on it? So that would be the first step, three steps in this exercise. First step is come up with a number, and it's your number, it's nobody else's number. They have, they have surveys, they have surveys, um, scientific surveys that doctors share. This happens to be uh, one that I use during our workshops that says, consider your level of happiness. And on that scale, zero to 10, zero would be extremely unhappy, utterly depressed, completely down. 10 would be extremely happy, feeling ecstatic, joyous, fantastic. And then there's everything in between. Five is neutral, it says not particularly happy or unhappy. Six, slightly happy, just a bit above normal. Seven, mildly happy, feeling very good and somewhat cheerful. So that is, that is a, a, a document, a form, a survey that was given out to thousands of Americans. That, it, not that you have to fill this up, but I would ask you to come up with a number. The next question after how would you rate your level of happiness is, why would you give yourself a blank? If you, if you rated your happiness at a seven, why did you give yourself a seven? Or why did you give yourself a five? Or why did you give yourself a three? Or why did you give yourself an eight? To have the courage to take action and answer that question and and, and write a list of the reasons why you're at that level. Because just sitting down to think about how your life has earned that rating that you gave it is an exercise that has a potential to raise your happiness level plus one. Mm -hmm. Most people by far are not willing to go through that exercise of that work. And then the third step to this exercise, happiness plus one would be to ask you, In your mind without anybody else's knowledge with anybody else's teacher or teaching or mentorship what do you think would have to happen in order to raise your level of happiness plus one how would your happiness be plus one so there's just from a a, a understanding level from the thousands of americans that were, were were surveyed the average american rated their level of happiness just so for for those listening A 6.92. 6.92. So that's somewhere between slightly happy, just a bit above normal, and mildly happy, feeling fairly good and somewhat cheerful. 6.92. I think we deserve more. I think life can be more. And I think there's ways to achieve it. I know there's ways to achieve it. But you have to be willing to go through the work. So, yeah. That's where we came up with the plus one. If you want me, Dr. Bill, to share the three subcategories of happiness. I never shared at the, at the uh, seminar you were at, but they might make it easier for people to rate themselves, and I'm happy to do that in quick form if you would like.
0: No, absolutely, yeah.
1: Okay, dive so, right into it. So, so Dr. Dr. Um, Martin Slegman from the University of Pennsylvania, he's one of the pioneers in this thing called positive psychology. Positive psychology that over the last couple of decades has really taken off even the last 10 years Just like a skyrocket, because it's such an important staple in our life happiness And he will subcategorize Happiness into three levels the first one and, and I'm not saying I am not in a position to judge to say which ones are better And 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 worse I have my opinion and you probably gather that just from how I share it right the first subcategory is is a level of happiness that you would rate with a pleasant life a pleasant life category and a pleasant life category of happiness is one that uh, really pursuits the amount and levels of pleasure that you bring into your life the goal is to have as many pleasurable experiences as you can that's a pleasant life and level of happiness now the drawback to that The drawback to that is this, when the seeking of pleasure is not met or enough, or when the well runs dry, you're stuck. Mm -hmm. A pleasant life level of happiness is very superficial. It's very carnal. It's very fleeting, but yet people still aspire to it. The second subcategory of happiness could be defined by Dr. Seligman as the good life. A good life is a life of engagement. And what that means is this, there are people who their number one focus is work or their number one focus is parenting or their number one focus is sports or art or hobbies or leisure, and they engage so heavily into it, everything else just blurs. They're so engaged in it. This is where the term flow comes from, flow, which, Athletes will refer to as being in the zone or musicians will refer to as being in the zone in all time stops as they're so focused on what they're doing. That's that's the second subcategory of happiness is the good life. It's a life of engagement. Now, the challenge with that level of happiness is other areas important to life will struggle. If you're so engaged with work, if you're so in love with work, you might have a very difficult Home life, or relationship, life with your with your family, your wife or your kids, mm-hmm. or friends, but yet those people are happy. And the third subcategory, Doctor Bill, of happiness would be the meaningful life. The meaningful life, by definition, would be. Knowing what your highest strengths in life are, knowing what your signal strengths in life are, and then using those strengths moment to moment in the service of something bigger than who you are. Now, those are the three categories of happiness. And again, whichever one you aspire to is where you are at in your level of of. Happiness in life, and there's nobody, nobody has a right to judge that except for you. And you have to ask yourself the quality question, am I good here or do I want to be plus one? Is there something better? And I believe, I believe that we deserve to live a life of abundance. I believe in that life of abundance. We have the ability to spread good cheer, to spread good happiness, to spread good love, to spread more success. Mm -hmm. So... It's a worthwhile journey. It t- takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of strength. It takes discipline. It takes sacrifice to give up time. You're not watching TV because you're answering questions that are important for the life you want to build.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that all too many times that people just assume that you know, you know, happiness is just something that's given to you. You know, it's not yeah. something that you need to work at or is earned and things like yeah. that. So, you know, and, and again, that's that's just really the case when you talk about every different, you know, aspect or component of somebody's life. They just think, you know, it's supposed to be, it's my right. You know, I I live in the United States and I should be happy or not happy or whatever. And it's, you know, but like you said, it's, it's action steps. It's identifying challenges, problems, weaknesses, and then working at those things just like you would work at a relationship or work at any other thing in life. Sure. So... Exactly. Yeah. The most important thing I've always learned from people is that no matter what you want to improve in life, improve yourself first. And if you improve yourself first, then everything starts to happen as a result of that. You know, so that's that's key for sure.
1: There's a there's a there is um, you know, it needs to be clear to the listeners that I'm not saying to you that it is unacceptable to be sad at times. Or to be challenged at times. Or to be feeling worry or frustration. It's not. That's that's okay. That's part of life. You cannot separate sadness from happiness. They go together. Mm -hmm. It's, It's just that the percent of time you find yourself on any given state on that paradigm of happiness and sadness. The percent of time you find yourself in either state defines the very life that you're living. Then you have a choice to make it better. But you're right it is your choice and so so one of my favorite sayings of all time and i and i got this when my wife and i were attending a marriage counselor we needed some counseling at different times of our life i swear to god still to this day almost 40 years of marriage that there are times she's still trying to figure out where she can hide my body that nobody would ever find me (laughs) But in Bird Island, the, Minnesota. Be <laughs> yeah, anywhere. there's a lot, lakes, <laughs> a lot of lakes and a lot of rocks. But uh that on the plaque of this very first council when we walked into her office, I'll never forget it. I wrote it down uh 25 years ago. And it said this. It, it, it's, it's an offshoot to the, serenity, to the serenity prayer, Dr. Bill. The serenity prayer that uses basic power words, empowerment words of of peace and serenity, strength and courage and wisdom. And in this serenity prayer for personal growth and development that I would encourage everybody, especially at this day and age, with all the decisions that are being made for us, I would encourage them to to use this as their mantra. And, And it sounds like a prayer, I'll say it as a prayer. It goes like this, Lord, grant me the peace and serenity To accept those people I cannot change. The strength and courage to change the one that I can and the wisdom to know that one is me. So we can't look to some sort of outside source. The problem with a pleasant life or superficial happiness is it always depends on somebody else. Happiness is not an outside in phenomenon, it's an inside out phenomenon, just like the healing with the very discipline and healthcare that we use when we treat our patients. And so if people realize that it starts with you and take on that accountability and responsibility, now they have a good chance to get to plus one.
0: Right, inner directed, not outer directed. That definitely is, is the way for sure. All right, speaking about happiness, what you don't know prior to me coming out here and recording this podcast today was I got an amazing massage, full body, one hour, get my body right, get my mind right, get ready to go and talk to everything about happiness. Because if you come in and you like stressed and you got tight muscles and a tight neck and tension headaches or anything like that, you know. You can kind of have your head in the game and be happy, but you're definitely not going to be as happy as you can be after a massage. So here's the good news. Right now at the uh, US1 location for Premier Wellness Centers, we're going to be giving everybody that wants to call up and get in a $40 one-hour full-body massage with one of our amazing massage therapists. We just brought on a couple new ones, and uh, I had massage by one of them today again. Unbelievable. So you can call the office at seven seven two eight seven nine eight one zero zero. 879 8100 Let them know that you heard me on the Evolve Wellness Experience podcast and you want to schedule a one-hour full-body deep relaxing massage for only $40. So give us a call today or look us up on the website at Premier Wellness Centers dot com. Enjoy that massage. You know, you t- talked a little bit about, you know, the happiness plus one and how they handed out that survey to, you know, thousands of Americans, um, you know, in yeah. order to, to take that, I guess, what, 6.92 was uh, the average happiness level, which, uh, again, that's kind of like kind of like a C minus maybe a D plus and that's just not getting the job done obviously in yeah, school so why would we accept that as our for our personal lives and what makes a big difference in our lives so are there any other studies um that are kind of interesting unique as it pertains to to happiness and how it affects individuals uh in their life short
1: answer yes
0: mm-hmm.
1: a bit broader answer many I'm going to tell you two quick ones two okay um, there was a, a study's been done a number of times because there's enough people that make this possible and available for research and for science. I will ask, um, I will ask participants in our workshop a, a question. So what do you think will make you happier one year from now? You win the lottery? We could even say hundred million dollars, you win the lottery. Or number two, Tomorrow, be in a car accident and rendered paraplegic in a wheelchair the rest of your life. What do you believe will make you happier one year from now? And of uh, course, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Bill, you would think that's an easy answer. And, the real, and you would think 100% would choose win the lottery. Well, in true science, about 90% choose the lottery. And you might think, well, what's wrong with those other people? Well, they have their own set of beliefs and philosophy that maybe money is the root of all evil, or I saw what happened to my family. I'll never, ever, ever want to have that much money. Um, They have their reasons. So 90% would choose A, 10% choose B. The reality is because there's been enough people surveyed on this to really have these tough questions asked, one year following winning the lottery and one year following being in an accident and rendered paraplegic in a wheelchair the rest of your life, the rating of level of happiness in both of those groups is exactly the same. Wow. So just to reiterate, happiness does not uh, occur by uh, uh, things that happen to you or circumstances that occur in your life. It's by how you interpret it. Now, the second study, gosh, the second study is the longest lasting study on happiness, and, and, and adult development in history. It's eighty over 80 years long now. today. Wow. And what it, what it is, it was a study that was done and began back in the 1930s. Uh, another TED Talk where this was reported on, um, the author or the narrator is Dr. Robert Waldinger. Dr. Walbert, Robert Waldinger, and if you look it up online, TED Talk, Robert Waldinger, and the title of it is, What Makes a Good Life? And then underneath it, the subscript leads, reads lessons from the longest study on happiness. And so they started this uh, 80 years ago. And at the time, they had 724 men. It was a it was a sexist study. It was just all men done. Over recent years, they brought uh, uh, women into it, which is fantastic. But back then, 720 men, of which now s- about 60 are still living. And the two groups they took, Dr. Bill, won. they took... Sophomores at Harvard University, going going to school, going to university. You would imagine that they're more privileged to be able to do that, and afford it. The second group was struggling young men at the poorest neighborhoods in Harvard, or in in uh, in Boston. Sorry, mm-hmm. so struggling young men, teenagers in the poorest neighborhoods of Boston. And what they did is they didn't just survey these people and ask them questions. They actually did tests on their health. They did blood tests. They did physical examinations. Of course they did mental surveys Mm -hmm. and they were able to watch them. Normally research studies, they don't go over 10 years because either people die or, or the, the directors, you know, lose interest or funds run out. They stop, but this one's gone on for eight years and they've watched people at 17 years old. And then, 30 years old, and then 60 years old, and then 80 years old. And they've been able to, as technology has advanced, they've been able to do more medical studies on, you know, brain scans and capacities, functional movements, all sorts of things. They've watched people in both groups start on the uh, bottom or middle of the ladder and rise to the very top. And then they've watched people that have made the journey in the opposite direction as Dr. Waldinger will share. But the biggest thing And I wrote it down here. The biggest thing in terms of the lessons that they've learned from the oldest study on health and happiness done in probably the world is this. And it is especially pertinent today. I get goosebumps when I want to share this information because the number one lesson they got from this study or that they've received from this study is that good relationships keep us happy and healthier. That social connections are really important for us and that loneliness kills. People who are socially connected to family and friends are much happier. They're physically healthier, and they live longer than those who are less well-connected. It was back uh, five years ago in 2015 that at any given point, you would survey Americans, one in five Americans, would say, I'm lonely. That was five years ago. How? How much more has it risen today in this pandemic? oh this,
0: exponentially I mean
1: it, it just boggles <laughs> me it boggles my mind so the the lesson from just this one study is that the number one predictor of your health and level of happiness is the quality of your relationships And so that's why that's why how we communicate to others and how we communicate to ourselves in reference to our friends and family relationships is so important to make them quality conversations.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, that, that definitely hits home because again, I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic and what's, what, what's the answer? Quarantine lockdown, stay away from uh, social gatherings. You know, you know uh, I'm, I'm passionate about um, a, a couple of different things on a social setting. I'm really passionate about going to sporting events. I'm really passionate about going, uh, to concerts and stuff like that and seeing artists and, and seeing excellence and greatness. And, you know, and then that that's gone and you, or, or, you know, you, you can only have 25% of the people go into the place at a time or, you know, just even the social settings, um, you know, sometimes as it pertains to going to your your favorite local restaurant that you always go there and you see the same servers and the same chefs and the same people and you're hanging out and it's just a good way just to relax and enjoy time. And uh, yeah, we don't ha- we don't have that going on right now. and And then, you know, it's not just about that. You talk about, you know, how does that influence your immune system, you know, and 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 just, you know, when you're being depressed and you got cortisol and you got stress and you're not sleeping good, and you get anxiety and your immune's depressed, and that's obviously the opposite of what you'd really want in the middle of a pandemic is a depressed immune system. So yep. yeah, we, we gotta get back out. I mean, there is safely um and cautiously, but we've got to get back out and be social community in a social community because we're social social beings for sure. Yep. Um, advantages, you know, so obviously we speak about some of the advantages of of being happy versus being unhappy. Um, you know, but what, what, what are some of the studies and stuff like that also shown as it relates to, um, you know, a a happy person, do they have advantages, uh, physically, personally in business, like any of those aspects?
1: Well, first let's talk about your personal advantages to being happier. Mm -hmm. Um, number one, happy individuals live on average nine years longer than those who are negative, neutral, or stressed. And again, research supports that. Those who would participate in this study, I don't, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't do it, but there have been those subjects who participate in the study where they received a flu shot and immediately or shortly after the flu shot, then they had blood drawn to check for the antibodies that were created as a result of that vaccine reaction. Individuals who are happier compare those who are negative, neutral, or stressed showed a 50% a 50% more increase in the production of antibodies compared to the average wow for productivity happier people versus those who are negative neutral or stressed are 31% more productive they get more done uh, uh people who are in sales make 37% more in sales and doctors who are happier versus those that are negative, neutral, or stressed, come up with a proper diagnosis, the correct diagnosis, 19% faster. And so the, the, um, the take home for those who are not doctors is, or those who are not salespeople, is this. A diagnosis is a label of a problem, and all of us have problems. Problems are inherent to life. That doesn't make it a bad life. It just makes it our life. The sooner you can pinpoint the cause of that problem, the sooner you can make the correct diagnosis, the sooner you can focus on the solution. So you don't have to be a doctor diagnosing patients to benefit from being happier. Although I will tell you this, as you talk about the challenges we have, the number one profession uh, uh, prior to this pandemic that suicide tragically ended our lives was a medical profession. The medical profession, including medical students, medical doctors have twice the suicide rate as anybody else that are surveyed. And yet we're the doctors, or they're the doctors, we're the doctors that are treating people. And so to be able to pinpoint the challenges and the problems that we have and focus much more of our energy on the solutions versus just being so consumed by the challenges and the problems makes a huge difference in our mental and our physical health. Mm -hmm. For those people who are not salespeople, and I say, well, happy, those who are happier compared to those who are negative, neutral or stressed in life, come up with 30 seven percent more sales you might say well i'm not a salesperson well i would challenge you this all of us are in sales all of us are in sales oh no you
0: doubt. Might have,
1: yeah, <laughs> no doubt you about might it be, you might be a, a mother with a daughter who is a teenager needs to go to school school is open for for several states and, and she's like i do not want to go i do not want to go to school i do not want to wear a mask i want to stay home if because of who you are and what you've worked on to be a happier, healthier individual makes you 37% more likely to bring your point across to her way of thinking, to be that positive influencer. Just think of the impact you can have on more life. So we're all in sales. So there are advantages on a personal level to working on raising your level of happiness plus one.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. The, um, what about business uh, did, oh, did, did they look into that as well i there's absolutely. we have a, a fair amount of people obviously that probably own their own business or are in small businesses, and at the same time, I mean we know the struggle that's in small businesses right now across the yeah. nation i mean there's no doubt yeah. about that so um so, and obviously you know there's some you know there's people that have worked like thirty forty years to develop a great small little business and stuff like that and to have it taken away from them and to yeah. to imagine the sadness that occurs and loss that occurs with that frustration. Yeah. Um, yeah. What would you tell them?
1: I would tell them to understand this. I'll just share, share three studies for now, or three results of studies. Number one, companies with happy employees or happier employees outperform competition by 20% versus those who are neutral or average. Companies who have unhappy employees underperform the competition on average by 14 There's a 34% uh, 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 difference between happy versus unhappy companies, and you have the ability as leaders to, to increase, to teach them how to raise their level of happiness. Because another study showed that 36, per, this was on the Northeast coast, by the way, 36% of all employees surveyed said, I will give up $5,000 of my annual salary if I can be at a place at work that's happier versus those that are negative, neutral, or swift. Over a Third of all people surveyed said, I'll leave this job to go work at a place I know I can be happier. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not gonna say that it's not my job to influence the level of happy employees, but if I'm already around positive people, I'm telling you, I have a better chance of, 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 of emulating that same mental attitude. And then the last thing that should uh, inspire employers is this, employees who report being more happy at work take 10 times fewer days sick than those who are unhappy. So that alone should inspire more employers to do what they can to inspire their employees to find ways to raise their level of happiness.
0: Yeah. And you know, that's, you know, the biggest compliment that I always get from the patients that come to my practice is where do you find your employees? They generally look happy they are positive, they, um, they, it looks like they love what they do. And then, and my response to that always is it's not easy. Actually, that, that, that just doesn't like, well, I found a bunch of happy people that I put into my practice and they just happen to be doing a good job. You know, it's the culture, it's the attitude. Um, and it's a fine line because you, you can't let them get away with anything they want to get away with just to make them happy either. I mean, it's gotta be good for the business and good for the employee, but um yeah, I, I think uh, yeah. our practice is as successful as it is just because of the employees that we have.
1: So, so imagine this. Imagine how hard it is to find and hire happy people and then teach them your trade so they're technically solid and mm-hmm. competent versus how hard is it to hire people who are technically solid and they already know the technique or they already know the trade and your job is to teach them to be happy. I'd much Anytime, rather hire happy people and train them for skill than hire skilled people and train them to be happy. Yeah. So you've already and, experienced it. Congratulations.
0: Appreciate. And uh, and yeah, believe me, I could have like the best technical like therapists and staff members and everything in the world. But if they're like, you know, scratching each other's eyes out, you know, punching each other in the face every single day or, you know, like and I've had and believe me, I mean. I make my business sound like it's like all roses. I mean, I've been in practice now, you know, coming up twelve years now, and I've 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 had those employees that yeah. you walked into their particular room in the office, and it just oh sucks the energy out of the room. Eggshells, you got to walk around. You know, you have something you need them to do, but you're nervous to ask them to do it because they're going to snap at you, and that's poison. That that's that's a hundred percent poison in the practice, and that'll cripple you for sure. So happy. Yeah. Happy, happy, happy. All right. Um, we kind of got into this a little bit, you know, but I'm sure, you know, I remember when you were talking about it, you know, they used to talk about the the old school mantra and they, they brought genetics into to play and how your genetics are your genetics. You don't really have much say on your genetics. You know, you got heart disease. <laughs> you're probably going to get heart disease. You got cancer in your family, you're probably going to get cancer. And, you know, it is what it is. Um, and as it pertains to happiness and circumstance versus choice versus genetics and what goes into it, you know, kind of share with the listeners, you know, a little bit more information about that and why it's it's 100% choice and it's not circumstance almost.
1: Okay, well, so scientifically, here's how, you know, I've, I've read some pie charts that share this information. They'll say like 10% of the things that happen to you in life the circumstances that you experience will influence your level of happiness. 40% of your happiness level is determined by your internal, internal state of mind. 50% of your level of happiness is determined by genetics that you have no control over. And, and I would just like to say, well, I agree with some of that. I don't agree with all of that. Because uh, there's a, a wonderful author named Bruce Lipton who wrote a book, The Biology of Belief. And I just believe so so strongly that we, we all have a certain genetic makeup. We have a certain genetic makeup. And, and the things that drive our physiology in our body are driven by probably uh, uh, less, uh, for sure, less than 10% of all active genetics or genes in our body that are driven by our DNA. Mm-hmm. And that means 90, some, some people say 98% of all genes in our body are junk genes or they're just inactive. They're not doing anything. But what scientists know today because of technology is they know that your environment changes your genetic uh, expression. And you can change your genetic expression. The environment is not just the things happening externally, the environment is also driven by the things that happen inside your brain, in your head. And so it's possible to change your stars, it's possible to change your genes. You just have to be willing to work on the things and do things differently like you, what you've done since we've had our seminar a couple years ago, to, to change that environment internally, which then starts changing how it's externally expressed. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage people to realize that, you know, 10% of, the, of this thing called your life, in your entire life, 10% of the things that occur and circumstances that occur, you have no control over. They happen. But I think respecting this 90-10 rule, that even though 10% of the things that happen in your life, you have no control over your life, or this thing you call your life is expressed 90% of the time by how you react to the 10. Mm-hmm. And it's a choice. You can't control the weather, you can't control stoplights, you can't control somebody cutting you off in traffic, you can't control some stranger's decision or the way they think and the actions they take. You can't control it, but you can always control how you react to it, and it's a choice. I'm not saying it's always an easy choice. It's a choice. Mm -hmm. And if you're willing to work on it, just like if you're willing to pump iron or improve your lungs or improve your heart, it's a great mental workout.
0: Yeah, no doubt. As is, you know, as is the case with almost everything. It's, it's a mental, mental workout. It's a game. You know, uh, I heard a a podcast the other day uh, and they were just, you know, he had a good perspective. He says, you know, everybody should really, uh, um, look at life like a game, you know, like you want to get to the next level, what obstacles and challenges do you have to get through in order to get to the next level in that game? Right. And there's, and there's going to be setbacks and there's going to be problems along the way, and it's never going to be an easy, smooth ride. And 99% of the time, you're never going to succeed on that first try for sure to get to the top level and end the game. But if you look at it like a game and treat it like a game, make it fun, like a game, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot cooler journey along the way. So talk, when we talk about the journey you talk about, yeah, you know, I heard your lecture and implements the steps, go through some of the steps that you would recommend a listener out there, you know, says, you know, what, what easy steps can I kind of start doing today and and implement into my life um, in order to make these changes?
1: I want to mention a, a, a number of them and hope that people would just start to consider, not just consider, but actually take action. On these, The first one I'll mention is the process of think and think. To develop the habit of every morning before you gotta get out of bed and every morning before you fall asleep when you put your head on the pillow, to get in the habit of these three words, think and think. Think about the blessings you have in life. Think about the things that so many people can do not have in their life and thank your creator for them. Think and think. There is nothing more powerful than to raise your level of happiness and help you deal with difficult circumstances than coming from a point of appreciation and gratitude or gratitude and appreciation. The moment you develop that and master that skill of think and think is the moment that you absolutely move in the direction of plus one. Mm -hmm. And, And an extension of that mental process of thinking and thinking is that go through the physical process of journaling it to journal it. I challenge, the the 30-day challenge that Dr. Aker uh, challenged people to in his, the uh, happiness advantage TED Talk is to, for 30 days in a row, don't just think and think, but write it down. Write down three, four, or five things on a daily basis every day as part of your morning ritual of things that you're grateful for or things that you appreciate. And at the same time, write the best thing that happened yesterday. Just sum it up. Can you imagine? I know you can because you've been doing it. Mm -hmm. The influence on journaling those things that you're grateful for and the best thing that happened to you yesterday. What it does for your your happiness hormones that are released into your blood that influence your brain and what it does for the law of attraction that brings more positive your way. So the first one is think and thank. The next one is journal it. The third one is perform random acts of kindness. And we call them random, but they're really calculated. They're random for the people receiving it. They're calculated for the person doing it. Random and calculated acts of kindness do this. They've done many studies to find out that when you do something nice for some people, say say you you take a moment and you write down a 200-word testimonial about why this person was so influential in your life and why you're so grateful for them. And they've never heard those words before, but you actually wrote them down. And then you call them up and you say, hey, can I take you out for lunch or could I meet you? Because I'd love to share some thoughts that I've had as I think about the, the difference you've made in my life. And you read that to them. Out of nowhere, they get this call. Out of nowhere, you you testimonialize the the, the change that, that they had and made in your life. What they know about this is not only does that extreme act of kindness release dopamine and happy hormones in the receiver's life. But the giver, through studies, actually has even more intense release of those happy hormones. Wow! So yeah, you can call random acts of kindness kind of selfish, but really you're doing an act to make a difference in a person's life and it's a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. The fourth thing I'm gonna just mention real quick is exercise. Having a daily routine of exercise Three to four days a week. Exercise releases dopamine in the body. When you release dopamine in the body, it raises your level of fulfillment or sense of fulfillment and happiness because it's a happy hormone. But it also creates greater clarity in your brain. It improves your memory. It does so many things that are positive for your body to influence your level of happiness. And then just these really one last thing. I'm not gonna save the three that are on my list because I know, Dr. Bill, that we're going over time. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no worries last, man all day long we can sit here this is awesome
1: the last thing that I'll share okay then I'm gonna I'll finish them quick do it <laughs> is there's a book it's titled excuse me your life is waiting I read it two and a half decades ago excuse me your life Was waiting by Lynn Grabhorn. and at the very end of her book she challenged me and every reader to come up with a thing a thing an experience an event a moment in your life That when you think about that, you write it down. You have the courage to write it down. And then you think about that no matter where you are in your life. You you could be at a funeral of a dear friend or loved family member. And you think about that, and it will change your chemistry. It will change your chemistry. So I read that, and I actually did it. I wrote down a thing on that favorite list of mine. Well, one thing. And I wrote my my daughter's name, Anne. Ann is now 30 years old. But when Ann was four, five, six years old, somewhere around there, she would walk in her sleep. And there were times, there were times where she would sneak into our bedroom and she would cuddle up next to her mom who was sleeping next to me. And there are at least a dozen times in my life when I woke up to my bed shaking because my daughter was laughing in her sleep. (laughs) <laughs> and when I think of that, even now, my, my eyes start to well up. I get a little choked up because it's such a happy moment. And so after I wrote that, then I'm like, well, that's one thing. I can have more. So then I started more on my list of favorite things. And I have that list of favorite things. I've had it for many years that at any given moment, I can look at that list and it will change my physiology. It will change my attraction of positive energy And you know? I. Mm-hmm positive, energetic people. So then I've expanded that to have a list of my favorite sayings. And I have a list of my favorite uh, sayings and quotes and songs. At any given moment, those things can change my heart, my physiology, my energy, and my level of happiness.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, it is is, uh, curious how you can hear a song in some instances and you, it takes you back to a certain circumstance or something like that. And you remember, and you, you just, you, you have that overwhelming sense that you're like right back there again, you know, and there's, there's certain things that have occurred to us in in our lives. And, um, um, it's, it's always unique that you remember where you were that exact moment, that exact time during your life. And, uh, yeah, there's definitely certain times, uh, and, and I, and I do think about the same things too. Like, you know, moments with friends, moments with family, things that have experienced, um, that were awesome. And yeah, when you, when you're down and you, you're looking for that, that inspiration to keep pushing forward, you know, even though you're tired and you're exhausted and you've been beaten down and you just kind of want to give up and like, you know, go the other way. And then, you know, use that as inspiration to kind of keep pushing forward. That's, you know, separates the winners from the losers. There's no doubt about it. But, um, but if you, yeah, you've, you've given a lot of, of different references and things like that of TED Talks and, and everything else today. You know, if people kind of want to dive deeper, you know, this with some of the stuff that we spoke about today, are, are there certain books or certain sources or certain sites that you would recommend that they check out, you know, to, yeah, to take oh, a little absolutely. bit deeper yeah. look into it?
1: Uh, here's a, a number of ideas. First of all, if you want to be happier, ask Siri. Sometimes I get a little nervous when all of a sudden my phone will pop up and Siri will say, "I'm sorry, I didn't hear that." That gets me a little nervous, but you know, <laughs> I think a happy life is a transparent life. The more, the less we have to hide, the more open we are, the more vulnerable we are, the, the more we open ourselves up for love and appreciation. And so that that's a whole other topic. But the internet, going on the internet and typing, uh, the science of happiness or ways to improve my level of happiness, just searching the internet. TED talks. Oh my god. There are so many talks on happiness in TED talks. Dr. Dan Gilbert, Dr. Marty Seligman, Dr. Sean Aker, Dr. Robert Waldinger, Dr. Matt Killingsworth. There's so many lessons that are, you know, 10 to 15 minutes that people can listen to those videos instead of watching other shows on TV that it could be productive, but most of the time they're just taking up time. Mm -hmm. Those things can definitely enhance a life. Marty Seligman started this positive psychology and he's got a site, AuthenticHappiness.org, AuthenticHappiness.org. He wrote a book titled Authentic Happiness, and uh, it's a fantastic book. And, of course, happiness podcast. If people like this information, for them to think they can watch it once and get it all, uh, I would challenge them. Watch it two or three times. That means you have to put up with you the know, same face and the same tone and the same lessons. But the more you watch it, the more synaptic Uh, occurrences happen in your brain, the deeper it drives into your memory and Mm. it's more likely than to be practiced. And so I would encourage them to, you know, look up podcasts. I mean, Spotify has got, you know, ones in yours, listen to your podcasts over and over again and uh, just gain the benefit.
0: Yeah. And I guess like, as it pertains to anything you're going to start doing, like I always encourage, like start with like the one thing, like what's one thing you can do today in order to take that step forward? Is it the think and the thank? You know, uh, you know, it, it just yeah. don't if you get most people like fail because they try to do it all 100 percent all in like at the same time and then they get overwhelmed. And then, you know, but but pick one thing that kind of resonates with you today that we spoke about. Um, start consistently putting that into play. And once that's kind of on autopilot and it's just like second nature to you, then add another one and add another one and add another one. until you kind of get the whole repertoire uh yeah. into your lifestyles. And uh, believe me, you know, it's not again. You know, after I implemented some of the stuff that Dr. Dave spoke about today into my personal lifestyle, um, you know, obviously it wasn't like the next day all of a sudden everything started going smoothly for me and everything. But you know, I I always say it takes a ninety-day period of anything. You're going to eat, you're going to change your diet. takes ninety days for really to make a nice transformation. You're going to start working out. It's going to take about ninety days to get in really pretty decent shape, right? Um, And and just like this is too. You know, it takes about ninety days for everything to start working. You're resonating with you, changing your lifestyles, changing your outlook, changing the people around you. But if you do that, like Dr. Dave says, and I promise you too, um, it'll be amazing for you, your family, everybody around you, and uh, they'll they'll see it's a different person, you know, within 90 days. Well, Dr. Dave, sure. man, I tell you what, every we got to do this more often because, again, every time like we get together and I talk, you know, we're at the conference or so out Bird Island, Minnesota today, uh, via Zoom. It's, uh, it's transformational for me, and I really appreciate you. Thanks for making such a positive influence on my life. I know you've made a positive influence on thousands and thousands of doctors' lives and people out there, and hopefully this podcast now can continue to get your reach out to many, many more people that need to hear this message and uh, will benefit them for from here on out.
1: I appreciate being here. Thanks for the opportunity, Dr. Bell. It's, uh, it's great to be able to talk with you like this, and uh, I hope it does. I'm pretty sure it will have an influence on People. All Thank right.
0: You. Thanks, Dave. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye.